When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to Holocron Histories, Star Wars canon versus legends. We're going to take a deep dive into the lore of the Star Wars universe. Everyone and welcome to the Holocron Histories podcast, where we talk about Star Wars legends versus canon lore. I am one of your hosts, Austin, also known as Tika, and I am your other host, Ben of Tamaria. Yeah, and uh, Ben, I'm going to be quite honest with you. I was really weirded out when you did not say, "And I'm Shelby or Sheikup." <laughs> I that was just my brain at this moment. That's fair. <laughs> uh, but you are not Shelby or Sheikup. You are Ben of Tamaria. Yes, I am. And we are going to be continuing our species uh, minisodes. Um, this this episode might be a little bit shorter than most. Because we are going to be going over the Myrlins, which are a well-known species in Star Wars. But you might not know their name, but you have seen them before. And quick note to let everybody, the audience, know, it is the second week of March, and this is around our one year that we've been on the air, because we started in March of last year, and it's like, oh my god, it's been a year. It's been an entire year. (laughs) Because Assassin's Creed and Holocron started around the same time. Mm-hmm. So that means I'm going to have to make new cover art for year two. You are. But yeah, so I mean, let's get right into it. So the Myrlins. So what we have for Legends is not a whole lot on their history because we don't know too much of their history as a race and species. So following the Sith Empire's return and the invasion of the Galactic Republic, uh, sparking the Great Galactic War, the Myrlins promoted their planet as a safe haven for refugees from the outer, uh, from the outer rim. This surge of victims of war led to a large number of Myrlins to enlist in the Republic military, and others to utilize their abilities in the Force with the Jedi. And then at some point before the invasion of Naboo, uh, Myrlins, uh, fi- uh, Myrl, the the planet, fought in a war against the nearby planet, the notorious pirate. Arwen Cole uh, helped lead the Myrlins to victory. And then, trying to picture a Myrlin, that would be Luminara. Jedi Master Luminara is a Myrlin. So, like, they're, they're green-skinned, um, typically facial tattoos on their, um, on their face and then tattoos throughout their body and whatnot. So, as a society and culture, the Myrlin people were deeply religious and practiced a primitive understanding of the Force. They believe each individual's actions contributed to the destiny to their destiny, building upon the past successes and failures to drive them towards to their fates. A Myrlin would place a unique, often geometrically repeat, uh, repeated tattoo on their face and hand significant that they had completed a certain test or task or achieved su- sufficient aptitude for a certain skill. The number of tattoos would thus often act as a good indicator of how mature and or skilled a Myrlin was. So, kind of like Zabrax and, and the Night Sisters, where they covered themselves with tattoos to show that they're, you know, mature or hit a certain point in age or done something very similar on that time. And I feel like a lot of races in the in species in the galaxies do something similar. 
So, I mean, uh, I know Togrudas do that. So, we do see that with Ahsoka. So, wait, is Ahsoka's skin just orange? Like, yes. is that all tattoos on her face? Yes, I, believe, I thought so. Well, uh, we'll we'll cover Togrudas at some point, so we'll find out. Yes. I never had a topic for next week, so that we might be going to Togrudas next week. <laughs> mm. So... Because of the more markings brought about a form of status, Myerland society was uh, stratified and allowed a heavily marked uh, civilians to access greater opportunities. Despite this, its importance, most Myerlands did not know the entirety of the tattoo lexicon due to its complexity. The interaction between placement and position of the shapes was incredibly subtle and changed the meaning greatly. So you could have, like, a triangle and then it'd be upside down. It could mean, like, hey, you're good at this, and then have it the complete opposite direction. It's like, nope, you're good at something so else. This this is a funny tangent. So, Ben, were you a Digimon fan? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was, actually. Okay. So let's, let's go into the Tamer series of Digimon. Okay. Which is one of my favorites. Everyone knows that Digimon Adventures Season 2 is the peak of Digimon. Yes. Everyone knows that. Yes. But Tamers is good. So the little Digimon or whatever that has the triangle Terriamon. symbol on its head. Ter- not Terriamon. The one that... Oh, Calamon. 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 I always feel like the Mulan symbols look like that. Okay. Now that you say that, that's actually... Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. That, that is a good thing. That's a good there, bring up. If you, have not, if you have not watched Digimon Tamers, it is on Hulu. And Just I highly recommend go, it. Um, the first four seasons... First, first four series of Digimon are on Hulu. Adventures 1, 2, okay. Tamers, and Frontiers are on Hulu. I'm I'm a Digimon but. fan. It's great. Ghost Ghost Games really good. This is a side tangent. It's really good because it's really dark. <laughs> yes, Tamers is very dark. Be prepared to cry. I mean, it's dark. I never cried. At the end, and when they all eh, no, not really. No, mm. I don't know. See, Maybe because I was young when I watched it. I don't know. Yes. But on I just this, remember when. Yeah, when Pokemon added Mega Evolution, everyone was like, ooh. Yeah. Everybody was like, oh, this is so dumb. And now everybody's like, can you bring it back? Because it was the best. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah. Uh, back with Myrlands. Uh, so within their belief system, there was a view and individual actions rippled through the Force, also affecting the destiny of the species as a whole. Because the Force was understood through the notion of the cosmic force on a basic level, the cultural significance of the energy was defined as fate. Those who were not sensitive to its call still had faith in faith in fate and felt it guided their lives. Myrlins always had a presence within the ranks of the Jedi Order. Which is so interesting, because now that, like... I mean, obviously this is legend stuff, so this is before... I mean... Technically, well, Clone Wars is both Legends and Canon. When they talk about Cosmic Force, I think I think of like maybe they worship the father, the daughter, and the son. Mm-hmm. Possibly, um, I can totally see that now. Being both of the Cosmic Force and there's the Living Force. Go back to our right. Episode so, two. Uh, for those of you who don't know. My background is I have a master's degree in, it's called a master's of divinity, which is a master's in religious kind of ideology. So like the cosmic force is kind of like, let's do the D&D comparison. So in D&D, divinity itself is a force, like a force with agency and a force with like, it wants things to happen. Like in D&D, if a god dies, like especially a god that is crucial to the fabric of reality, the 
force of divinity will produce a god to replace that hole. So, like, you can't just, like, kill the god of life and then there be no god of life because then you wouldn't have any life. Mm-hmm. And so, so forth. So that's kind of what the cosmic force is, is that it's this overarching ideology of the theoretical force, the force that exists everywhere. The living force is more along the lines of like what you encounter within yourself and the part of the cosmic force that guides you as an individual. So for you Christians out there, it's very similar to the Holy Spirit. But, um, and then we got, that's kind of the difference between the cosmic and living force. So cosmic think like heady, like, oh, the force. Most of the time when you talk about the force people are talking about the cosmic force whereas the living force is more what every people interact with yep so i I would consider like living force would be similar to um kind of like nature energy yin and yang kind of a style um Mm -hmm. it's within ourselves where yeah like cosmic force is a whole like universal universal arching power but okay um with that uh dr iklar loken a member of the sith empire's imperial science bureau during the great galactic war recalled a shared interest in the myrlin cuisine with his colleague 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 uh cypher 12 during the conversation with the imperial agent known as cypher 9 which Lorcan is a companion of yours in Swotor when you play the Imperial Agent storyline. He's he's meh to me. I don't know. But not a fan. He's alright. Like I've only interacted with him so far as my uh Jedi Knight. Uh, during the expansions of Fallen Empire and um, Stone, not Stone, I almost said Stone Throne, it's like that's Dragon Age. <laughs> uh, Fallen Empire and Knights of the, um, whatever the second Eternal one Throne. Eternal Throne. Eternal. Thank you. But yeah, he's all right. I mean, he's he's you know science person. During the expansion, he's uh, researching Rackles. And the Rackle Plague and all that. That's fun. Not really. It's a pain. But, uh, so now we have their biology. So, Myrlins are a near-human race. Myrlins were nearly, nearly physiologically identical to humans. The greatest difference in their biology was the green skin, great agility, and extremely quick reflexes. The later traits later gave them the upper hand over humans in terms of reaction time, athletics, and martial arts. And then that is why most Myrlins you will find are either Jedi or in some sort of a duelist uh, profession with a blaster. Because having quick reaction times as a Myrlin is great if you're like a smuggler. That's a fair point. And then, so we have the known Myrlins in the galaxy and legends. So we have Hilo Viz, uh, was the Myrlin smuggler during the days of the Old Republic who led the correlation of smugglers to break a Mandalorian blockade and deliver raw goods to Coruscant. And Hilo is also your smuggler correspondent when you are commander of the alliance between the Sith and the Republic. So... Yep. And then we have Arwen Cole, who was an active um, as a Myrlin freedom fighter uh, decades before the Clone Wars. Luminara Undali as and her Padawan learner Barris O'Free were Myrlin Jedi who fought in the Clone Wars. And then Tella Cars Cares, uh, was a political prisoner who worked as a minor uh, architect on the first Death Star. Which, that one surprised me. I was like, there was a Myrlin in the Empire? Like, what? The Empire hates, hates aliens. Legends and oh, the canon. Le- 
They'll let the aliens work for them. True. That's fair. I mean, as long as they bring a good, you know, skill set, typically. Right. Still looked down upon, sadly. Right, and she's like a prisoner. Yeah, So true. She's She's a prisoner architect compared to a free uh, agent in the Empire like, you know, Thrawn was. But, yep, that's what we got in Legends. Interesting species. Yeah, I am ready for the break, but I just think it's an interesting species. Because we've got, we've got like, it's another species that like produces a lot of Jedi. We have Mm -hmm. several species that as species produce a lot of force users, Zabrax, Dathomir, which is the, um, the Mylurons, the Miralukai, the, just a lot, Yoda's species, whatever name it is. (laughs) Which we still don't have a name after 40 some years. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, humans, like literally across the, like a lot of like species across the board, all the near human, uh, species have a lot of force wielding population compared to there's some other, I mean, in legends and I'm so mad they don't have this in canon. We have force wielding Jawas. I want to see a force-wielding Jawa in today so bad just because I want to see some Jawa say Utini with a lightsaber. (laughs) Right. Like, that would be great. But anyway, uh, let's take our break real quick. All right, well, welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about all the things that have to do with the podcast, but not Star Wars lore. This is where I thank our patrons. Thank you to all those who support us on Patreon. Uh, we greatly appreciate, and we greatly appreciate all those who come on the show once a month, which will happen in, I don't know, a lot of weeks. There's a lot of, there's only four Tuesdays in March, I think. So maybe two weeks. Two weeks sounds about, yes, two weeks. Two weeks. And so if you want to sign up on Patreon for our uh, $20 a month tier, you can come and join us on the show. And we greatly appreciate that. Also, you can come hang out with us live because we live stream this show at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific every Tuesday, unless something comes up. But every Tuesday, we're here with a live stream. You come hang out, drop us in chat, say hello. Bed and I try to do a good job of watching the chat and seeing if anyone says hello. But we'll get that there. Um, so come hang out with us. Come talk about Star Wars. Come share us your favorite opinions, especially in the species. Come shout us out. Tell us your favorite individual or your favorite species or whatever. Um, so we do that. And then lastly, you can leave us ratings and reviews on Spotify or Apple. And we'll read those out on a future episode of the show. If they are five stars and have some kind words, we will read them out on a future episode. And then you can come hang out with us on Discord at the Cups Podcasting or More Discord server or the Robots Radio Discord server. You can find us there, both at Teacup and Benetameria. Same names across the board. It's helpful that way. Um, (laughs) And then you can hang out with us. You can find other shows on the Robots Radio Network. You can find my other shows on the Cups Podcasting or More Discord server. Hang out with us. Talk about Star Wars. We even have spoiler channels so you can talk about the new content because we got a lot of new content a right now. Lot of Bad the... Batch. Yep. Oh crap! I still need to watch that. Right. Oh, Bad Batch. Mando. The Mando. Mm. Mando season three and the new Jedi Battle Scars book. There's a lot of new content, and I'm if you're itching to talk about it, come on the Discord and you can hop in those spoilers channels and talk to your heart's delight. And if people get spoiled, it's a spoilers channel. So. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> Yep. But yeah, fun stuff. Uh also 
Uh, do want to reiterate, um, we do live stream these on my Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash Ben of Tamaria. But yeah, yeah that, um, that's really it. I think that's all I got. Cool. That's all I have. All right. Let's get more into the canon of things. All right. Now for the canon history. So, the Myrlin homeworld was a cold and dry planet of Myrl. Uh, after the fall of the Jedi, many Myrlins followed the isolated lifestyle of the Outer Rim territories. Others, however, decided to fight against the darkness that stood in their way, stood in their way of spiritual enlightenment. That means they joined the Rebel Alliance to fight the Empire. Because if you go and play Battlefront 2, or even the first... Pretty sure even in the first Battlefront from 2015, uh, you can play as a Myrlin in the Rebel Alliance, if I recall. Oh. Pretty sure. I could be completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure they are a playable race. And then, so that's it for that we have in history. We don't, they haven't really expanded on the Myrlin history in canon not even with clone wars because the most marlin uh something just beat that was super weird um but the most interaction we get with marlins in canon is literally luminara and, and um what's her um barris barris thank you I'm sorry. Like, I'm not a big fan of Barris. More for the fact that she turned on everything and tried to frame Ahsoka. And uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting, especially since there's a lot of like species that get thrown out in the prequel era, so Clone Wars and the prequel movies that we don't really get a lot of history. Like, we have a lot of history about the Zabrax. And the Dathomir witches, we have a lot of history about the Wookiees and the Twi'leks and the all these standard, the Rodians, all of that. We've got a lot of history, but then you've got, like, whatever the heck uh, Kitamundi is. Right, yeah. Um, I can't think of their species on the top of my head. But, yeah, like, we see them, but we don't know anything about them. Right, but even Yoda's species, as a species, we... We have three members in the entirety of Star Wars. No, if you include Legends with yeah, KOTOR. So that's like, hey, we've and, got four. And there's one in SWOTOR. Oh, yeah. So we've got five. One in SWOTOR. One in Master Bandar and KOTOR. Mm-hmm. Yoda, Yaddle, Groku. Yep, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Their species is still... Like, I, honestly, and I think... This is the best thing, I think, that what they've done with Star Wars, specifically with Yoda and his species, is the whole point of keeping a mystery. And at this point, I don't think even after, you know, another 40 years, I I don't think we'll ever get a explanation about his species. Well, I I also just don't think it was important for George Lucas. Like, Yoda was... Yoda was shrouded in mystery, and George Lucas was just like, he's the green guy, and he is the Jedi Master with the wisdom, and he serves to push Luke where he needs to go. Like, that is Yoda's purpose. And so his backstory isn't important to the lore of Star Wars when you look at it from just a movie perspective. But, you know, nowadays with with the rise of video games and we have you know we have games like the elder scrolls which gives us highly detailed conflict and multiple and conflicting accounts on the history of each race and so people want to know because that's what we're used to now yep but anyway um so with their society and culture and canon, the Myrlins were known uh, for their spir- spirituality and strong connection with the world around them. They had a natural belief in and practice a primitive understanding of the Force. Because of this, members of the species on Myrl were taught to respect and listen to the Force. Which, obviously, the same as same as Legends. Um, 
But the key thing is that they are taught to respect and listen to the Force, regardless if they're Force wielders or not. So, as long as, like, it's like, um, oh, and I cannot remember his character from Rogue One. Um, Jared Unway. Yes. I'm the Force. The Force is with me. I am the Force. The Force is with me. It's literally that understanding kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he's not a Force builder, but yet he lets the Force guide him to where he needs to be. Because if you, if you watch Rogue One, he literally decimates everyone, and he's completely blind, and he's not even a Force wielder. <laughs> well, well, yeah, and I think that this is an important thing that canon has kind of lost this and, like, not leaned into it. But in the Legends material, we meet a lot of different Force-using, like, entities that are outside the Jedi and Sith and Rogue mm-hmm. Force users, like... The Barados Sages, the Night Sisters of Dathomir, the um there are other kinds of like just like force using places that might not call it the force, might call it something different, but they use there's one legend books where we learn about people who use the force because they're connected to this weird insect microscopic organism that's not many Florians that does some weird stuff and there's just a lot of different in legends there's a lot of different beliefs about the force and there's a lot of different groups that follow that and um yeah the um i forget what plocoon's race is actually called keldors the keldors have the barrow sages and like there are whole sects in the keldors that um practice and use the force and then they send a couple to the jedi order Hmm. to like be representatives or do that that's why you only really see that's why you only really see plo koon Mm -hmm. because they have their own order of force users interesting i actually did not know that so that's new to me so uh, it was also a tradition amongst marylands who joined the jedi order to take fellow marylands as their padawans so for instance, that is why uh, Luminara has Barris as her Padawan because they're both Myrlins. So that, that's and just. Like, I mean, I, I get it, but that's inter- That's interesting to me because I assume it's because of the ideology, and so mm-hmm. maybe the Myrlin or Myrlarans want their Padawans to be mentored by one of their own, so they understand that. But there are other species who have strict cultural beliefs that, like, do Wookiees. Like, there's very few Wookiee Jedis. Mm-hmm. Very few. Typically, uh-huh. I mean, Legends, there's a few. And we we don't get any until... There's the High Republic, the one that which is... They, we have the High Republic. We have... Um, oh shoot his name uh their name is on the top of my tongue oh shoot but they're a pad in in the light of the jedi they're a padawan yes um does it serve the b i think so so we've got them there's gunji Mm -hmm. or yes and then there's in legends we've got lobaka and i'm not really sure anyone else that's really it honestly um which great thing about the high republic wookie uh we see i don't know if it's the same wookie but with the show star wars acolyte being currently filmed uh which is going to set place in the high republic and towards the end of high republic dealing with the more of the dark side stuff hence with the term acolyte we do see from set a Wookiee Jedi. Hmm. Is it the same Wookiee? We don't know. Probably because Wookiees, you know, live for like 800, 900 years. And it's crazy. They live as long as like Yoda species. It's insane. Right. Well, like Chewie. Isn't he like four has already lived. five? He had already lived for several centuries when the Clone Wars happened. Yeah. I think it was like 300 so something, might- I thought. When the Clone Wars right. happened. Yeah, so he probably was born towards the end of the High Republic era. 
the latter half. Yeah, I can so, see that, yeah. And then he's whatever. But, um, yeah, they live a long time, and we'll get to Wookiees, and I'm sure. Oh, yeah. That's another species we have a lot of history on, Wookiees. Yep, that is true. I'm seeing just just by talking about Myrlands today, I'm getting all the ideas for the next couple weeks. <laughs> but we um, also do a character deep dive on a member of these. That species. is true, and we have yet to do a character deep dive. We did Kenobi. Oh, we did do Kenobi. That's right. Okay, we did one character deep dive in the one year. <laughs> yes. So we'll get another one for year two, and then you'll have to wait till year three for our next one. Sorry, sorry about it. I don't make the rules. Uh, we'll we'll get it to some point, but uh, now we get on to their biology and their appearance. So, just like in Legends, Myrlins are a near human species. Distinguished. God, I can't talk today. Uh, by their yellow, green, or pink color skin and geometric facial tattoos. Though typically Marlins were green or pink-colored skin, some had purple skin. Marlins' hair colors include black, brown, and their eyes could be brown, blue, or purple. Uh, Marlins possessed enhanced reflexes and were also incredibly flexible and agile. Traits of these uh, aided them in activities such as lightsaber combat. Um, as a near-human species, they were kept compatible of reproducing with humans and having human-Marlin hybrid offspring. And their natural habitat was a des- desert or wastelands. That had to be a really big shock to uh, Luminara, from going from a desert like wasteland planet to a all city planet on t- uh, Coruscant. Well, think about Anakin. That's also a fair point. Anakin did the same time, <laughs> same thing, or even Ray. As much as we don't talk much about yeah. the uh, sequel tri- tri- uh, trilogy, Rey goes from a Jakku, and the first time she sees uh, Takadana, it's like all lush green and blue, and she's like, oh my god, I never th- knew like there was this much green in the galaxy. It's like, right. Yeah. Yes, yes there is. <laughs> so, I live in a very, very, for US, I live in a very, very green state. Mm-hmm. It's very, like, we get a lot of rain, it's very humid. Everything stays green mostly all year round. And I never really noticed it until I moved away to a state that was not green. And then I came back and it was like, oh my gosh, this state is so green. <laughs> yeah, I've like, lived uh, in the same state my entire life. It's either green or it's white. Mm. That's basically it. But yeah, it's it's just like you know, it's a shock seeing things that you're normally not seeing. But uh, although most members of the species got uh, traditional facial tattoos, not all did. Uh, more traditional Myrlin families felt strongly about the custom. Typically, those tattoos were done on a Myrlin, completed a special task or achievement, and expressed the achievements or ex- uh, expertise unique to each Myrlin. Some appreciative of the species culture consider the tattoos merely status symbols because of their mixed heritage. The half Marlin um, Maiz uh, Ranish, Ranish uh, considered either not getting the tattoos or getting only getting them on one half of her face. Eventually, Ranish chose a tattoo design with the meaning of friendship. Did I say that right? Ranish? Ranish? Yeah. So now we have Myrlins in the galaxy during the uh, canon. So during the High Republic era, uh, Myrlin uh, Scantech Marvin Gether uh, Getter uh, worked on the housing worked in the housing system. He recognized the aptitudes in the galaxy were evolving as time went on, and he hoped it would give him the chance to date the Twi'lek Sela. Uh, However, he never got his chance as he atomized during the great hyperspace disaster. Yeah, so Uh, I think he is one of the... He's one of the early chapters in Mm -hmm. Light of the Jedi. Yep. And 
I think he's the one that's like, oh, I'm going to leave and go ask out this girl. Yep. He's exactly that person. And, you know, then, you know, the hyperspace disaster is. And so if no one's read The Light of the Jedi, the hyperspace disaster during the High Republic era, which is all new stuff in the last couple of years, mind you, uh, this giant starboard um, cruiser is literally hit with another ship that is going hyperspace. And basically, literally think of what happened in episode eight when Holdo, uh, you know, went jumped into hyperspace and hit a Death Star and it like exploded into a million pieces. Do that, but both ships are traveling in hyperspace. So they both hit, and then all of their pieces are falling out of hyperspace. At random point in time to where it could be coming out of hyperspace immediately or it could be like months to a year in advance to where it comes out of hyperspace. It's it, it was devastating to where um, thousands of Jedi had to use the force to slow down a ship that was about to hit a planet and basically going to destroy and wipe out the planet. Yes. Yeah, and we then we... And then we learned that that's the beginning of the Nil invasion. Yep. That was the start Which, of it. Ever, yeah. Do they ever remind you of the Yuthan Bong? Uh, kinda. I mean, the, the, I feel like the writers for the High Republic, I still, I have yet to read any of the phase two books. Um, I've read all of phase one. And from reading them and reading, I still need to read. There actually is a comic specifically about the Nihil. From what you gather, what they are supposed to look like. If you watch, if you go back and watch the panel for uh, last year's Star Wars celebration, they did a panel specifically on the High Republic books and the High Republic as a whole. And they actually showed concept art of um, the the head of the Nihil. And I cannot remember his name on mm-hmm. the top of my head. Um and what he looks like. And to me, like when I first saw his design, he's definitely looking like, oh, they took definitely took inspiration from the Yuzhong Vaughn. That is a without a doubt. Um, now they don't use they use tech, they steal tech, they do all that. They don't use organic stuff, but just the way the head of the Nihil looks, um, Ro, his name's Ro, that's right. Uh, he looks definitely like very organic ish. Yuzhan Vong ish. And I just I just think for those who don't, the Yuzhan Vong are a basically a species that after basically after the Thrawn trilogy and after, you know, they finally get established as the New Republic Galactic Alliance, bam, out of nowhere, this species of organic insectoid things come out and take the galaxy by storm. It and was, it's very similar with the Nihil. Yeah, it was a well, yes, it's very similar to the Nihil. Um, compare the main key difference between the two is the Sith aren't active at all during the High Republic era. Um, mm-hmm. compared to the during the Yuzhan Vaughn and Legends, uh, the Sith Empire was still a, was still a thing, and but the Yuzhan Vaughn specifically actually had the Jedi the Republic and the Empire, because they were both entities at the time, combined forces more for the fact because the Zhang Vaughn were force resistant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the force had no effect on them. So they were like, oh, crap, um, we probably should team up. And yeah, that's yeah. also the probably the best storyline in Legends. It was the Zhang Vaughn stuff, in my opinion, with the comics and all, because we see... Bl- we see sadly we do that is where Chewbacca's death was in Legends, and but he went out with a bang. That's true. But um but the Yuzhan Vong is very similar. Like if you want like just to compare it to something that's probably more popular, it's very similar to the Reaper invasion. Yes. Yes, to Mass like, Effect, yeah. Yeah. Hit hit real hard. No one knows what to do. And they're just, they're trying things. Okay, we took down a Reaper with a Thresher Maul. Okay, we 
collapsed a planet on the Yuuzhan Vong. We got that's our options. Yeah, it's um, it's I would say it's very similar to the start of Mass Effect Three, where you know the Reapers mm-hmm. come to Earth and no one thought like no one expected them to hit Earth or even come at all, and then boom. Well, yeah, Shepard did obviously, but Ooh. like boom, they come out of nowhere and just start wrecking everything in their path and you have that throughout the entire game it's basically that but in star wars right but back to uh, the Myrolons. 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 uh so in the time of the galactic republic the Myrolon jedi master yor arith was a member of the jedi high council and trained the padawan gretz drom who also became a Jedi Council member. The Jedi Master Luminara Undoli and her Padawan Barra Sofri were members of the Marlon species. It was tradition among the Marlon people to, uh, if any of them were to join the Jedi Order, they would have compelled to take a fellow Marlon as their pa- own Padawans, as in the case of Undoli and Ofri. Despite this transition, the Jedi Master Sizlin Murr chose the human Mace Windu as her Padawan. I forgot about that. Yeah, Mace Windu's master was a Merlon. I forgot about that. And then another Merlon who was once part of the Jedi Order was the seventh sister, one of Darth Vader's Inquisitors. So, were all the Inquisitors former Jedi? I believe most of them were. I only we only get like a we know the ninth sister. No, no. Second sister, second sister, because that's Trilla. She was a mm-hmm. she was Jedi. Uh, the seventh sister was Jedi. Um, the ninth sister was Jedi. The ninth sister was. Uh huh. Okay. Um, see, and that's the only thing. And on uh, the Grand Inquisitor was a Jedi because he was Grand he was a Reva. Uh, Re- Reva was so that's Reva. Reva was five. A, the fifth. Br- the fifth brother was a Jedi. I know that's a little spoilerly for the new book, but we learned that. Oh, we learned that in the book? Yeah, it's a, it's in his point of view chapter. I have not gotten that far then. You haven't gotten that far? No, I haven't met the fifth Your brother. Father, there was a... It's the chapter right after Brett tells them what they have to go find. And then there's a chapter from his point of view with the Grand Inquisitor. It's before they even get. It's before they oh. even get to a point. Maybe a I point. did not like listen to it fully. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So he was a he, okay. He was a Jedi. Oh, that's whatever. Um. Okay, so that's like literally, and then we have that unknown third Inquisitor. We have at the uh, end of Rebel season two. The eighth brother. Eighth brother. But we, he, he and then the sixth the sixth brother. Mm. So I think we have nine inquisitors total, unless like I don't know. Does the Grand Inquisitor count as the first brother? Or is I don't there think a first so. I person? think there is actually a first person that's not the Grand Inquisitor. But who knows? Like there's still. For, like we don't even know how many inquisitors there are. Maybe the first inquisitor is Galen Merrick, and they're waiting to reveal all that. See, that's what everybody hopes it's going to be, <laughs> but that is going to be like you know, if they made it Galen Merrick, I highly doubt they would made him a like. That's the only way they could really rationalize his canonization into things. But then you know, it's but also it's, don't do uh, it. It's yeah, too broken. Galen Merrick in canon, based on his canon stuff in his game, the canon ending for his game well, is him wrecking Vader so 1v1. His canon stuff is the books. In, like So the game is like they made him more powerful in the game because, you know, game mechanics. Yeah. Even in the book, he still wrecks Vader. Right. And it's exactly. just, it's like, I mean, he does quote-unquote die and then you know force unleash 2 happens to where he gets cloned and whatnot but yeah like 
the reason but he dies to palpatine not vader true yes that is true which makes sense but the reason why cuz they were originally going to have um they actually asked sam witwer to come in and ask him like would you want to come back to play star killer and cuz dave filoni almost brought him back as the grand inquisitor mhm and like had a whole entire storyline specifically based on Star Killer and also you know joining the rebels and all that or whatnot. And then when they thought about it, it's like, oh no, sorry, we can't do that because Star Killer is too broken. Because <laughs> he just no, but seriously, <laughs> seriously, and like because his inclusion makes Luke irrelevant. Yes. Oh, completely completely irrelevant like even in legends uh half of his stuff that he does is like why do we have luke as like the leader because in legends his house emblem is the rebel alliance's emblem right it's like I mean, so it's why is luke a thing <laughs> that point part of it is that he dies and then gets yeah. cloned and we don't know what happens to his clone True. and then there's the other thing where his he has a dark clone with the alternate timeline and it's just... all over the place because game game logic and game mechanics and all that fun stuff right but um so we do have another myelin as well um Cenaris and once worked with the Warbird, Warbird, Warbird gang on the planet of Castellon, uh, while eventually joined Team Colossus and unofficially the uh, resistance after opposing a mutiny staged by the pirate gang. The Marilon Keo Venzies was a pilot for the New Republic's Vanguard Squadron. Right. And that is the events of Star Wars Squadrons. So I think we Just see her in Squadrons. <laughs> it's a pretty good story. And like Hera makes an appearance. And Yeah, it's, I do know that. It's an interesting kind of just, I mean, it's not like, it's not game breaking. It's not like, oh my God, this is so implications for the lore. But it's a fun little story. And then now we have some behind the scenes. So, Myrlands first appeared in the 2002 canon Star Wars movie, Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, um, which was Luminara. In Star Wars Legends, continually the species first appeared in the 2001 novel Cloak of Deception by James Lucino, written to the access to the Attack of the Clones script. Cloak of Deception was the first appearance of many concepts developed for the film. Oh, interesting. And then Myrlins are a playable species in the Star Wars MMO, Star Wars The Old Republic, for the Jedi Knights class, the Jedi Counselor class, the Smuggler class, and the Trooper class. Clipping one of these the storylines with a Myrlin character will unlock the race for an option for all other ca- uh, character classes. Alternatively, the race can be unlocked through purchase in, mar- in the cartel market, which is the marketplace where you buy stuff with real currency and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. yeah, that's what we got on Myrlands. Interesting, interesting. Um, I find it interesting in the Old Republic, people only really comment on you being an alien species if you are a Sith. Yes. Um, fun, yeah. I would, so, that is true. Uh, you really only get commented if you're dealing in dialogue so you do get the comment as a republic player if you're an alien if you're having dialogue with a sith character or someone from the sith empire no one on the republic like questions you being an alien because the republic doesn't care um if you're an alien working in the empire so for instance my uh imperial agent character is a chiss so i have them as a chiss uh species i get called out all the time in dialogue it's like oh you're lucky to because you're working with the empire and you're so high high up in the chain you're just lucky to be here 
uh, alien scum. They they call you alien scum and all that stuff. And like half the time, well, I have like s- smart re- uh, remarks, or other times you can shoot them. <laughs> so. No, well, because I played a for my Sith Inquisitor, I played the tw- a Twi'lek, mm-hmm. and. They, I'm just like, are you kidding me right now? Like, I'm gonna stab you. Yeah. Well, and, and I played as a Zabrak in my quiz, uh, Sith Inquisitor as well, to where I would like just some of the remarks. It's like, what? Like, the best thing about the Inquisitor storyline and like some of the dialogue choices you have, you can just shock people so much and torture people just because they called you something wrong. Right. It's great. Uh, but it's also interesting to me because, like, the only alien species that doesn't get called out is the Sith Pureblood. Yes. Because they're, like... Well, they're wow. in the high in the hierarchy of the Sith Empire next to humans. Mm-hmm. Um, if you read the Revan novel um, for Old Republic, uh, you deal with uh, Lord Scourge. And you get that actually talks about how, like, specifically with the Empire and the Sith Purebloods, like, their relations between one another. Right. The Sith Purebloods have a higher status than humans, if I remember correctly. Yes. And eventually it does get taken over by by humans. But even then, the Sith Purebloods still have a strong voice and respect within the Empire compared to other species. Still, sus. I'm still just mad that we can't play as a Wookiee in the Old Republic. And honestly, it just comes down to dialogue because it's Wookiees can only speak She-Wook, and they right. can't get a voice actor to do that. <laughs> so, but yeah, that, that's what we have in Ireland. So, I, I don't have anything else. That's all I got. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for listening to the Holocron Histories podcast. And may the force be with you. Thank you for listening to Holocron Histories, Star Wars canon versus legends. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can also follow us on Twitter at SWHoloHistories and contact us at holocronhistories at gmail.com. Hi, welcome to Three Count Thoughts. Let me introduce the crew real quick. Hi, I'm Maverick Stone. I'm Romer. And I'm Jaxus. Join us as we talk all things wrestling. Each week, we'll take a topic from the wrestling world, knock it around a bit, and then go over the week in wrestling from a strictly fan perspective. We can be found on all major podcast catchers. We can also be found at Three Count Thoughts on both YouTube and Twitter. Or you can send us an email using 3CountThoughts at gmail.com. Okay, are you ready? Ring the bell. <laughs>